We're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Promptly on brand, slightly hungover after uh, spooky season ended last night. And uh, the Rebs got a dub, 54-21 over the hapless Vanderbilt Commodores. But a win is a win. And uh, this team desperately needed it going into the open date. Benjamin Woodhouse, Nicholas Carr here with me as well. Gentlemen, uh, like I said, we will take a W. You know, as you said, the score, it, it reminded me of the the Shea Patterson. Maybe it was 2016. What was the score against Vanderbilt that year? 16 or 17, we played them at home yeah, and scored like 50 or 60. Anyway, let's just hope the rest of the season doesn't play out like that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was not good. <clears throat> no, 2016 almost took an L. 38-17. It had to have been 2017. Oh, we got, we got Fetty Wapped? <laughs> yeah, 17-38. <laughs> yeah, it was 57-35 in 2017. 2016 oh, was, we... was Vandy after the miracle in, in College Station, and everybody was so fired up. And, and then, oh, that's where we went up there and laid an egg. Yeah. In Nashville, it was cold. Yeah. Well, not to derail. Um, anyway, yeah, we digress this about and put it about you know a Hugh Freeze coach. Look, team, you just you bringing know, it, bringing up Shea Pat, bringing up Shea Shea Peterson. That's it. Shady Shea Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Shea Peterson. Yeah, that's right. Who's who's apparently an influencer now? Hmm. Talk about a fall from grace. I mean, honestly, I won't even pile on. That's how bad it is. <sighs> I mean, you know. <laughs> Do what you love, man. Maybe he loves it. Um, all right, so we were talking in the pre-show, and Ben was like, I don't really know what we can say. There's not much to say because Vandy is garbage, and Ole Miss just whipped him. I mean, but we can talk about getting off the snot after two straight weeks of playing. I'd say one game was bad, and then the next game was just good. Like, it wasn't – they weren't both shitty – they weren't both good. Uh, losing in the final moments, back-to-back weeks, is uh, bound to take a toll mentally. Um, but, I mean, big ups to Lane Kiffin and the rest of the staff for taking this team on the road. Now, I know it's Vandy, and we're going to say that probably a dozen more times. But it's still a road SEC win, and uh, I think it's just an absolute um, – just a huge, huge boost for this team mentally. Um, because Kiffin said it as much in some of his press conferences this week, where he's like, "Look, man, I don't." I, he basically said, "You know, I don't care about putting up numbers. Like, we need to win." And uh, it's just a good, a good feeling, obviously, overall, to get in the win column and set yourself up, get healthy next week, and then get ready for South Carolina. That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, if we're gonna come in here and, and talk bad about them, or not bad, but criticize the losses, we might as well give them props when they win. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good win. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it is nice to just beat the dog out of an SEC team. I mean, it is Vanderbilt and stuff, so I'm not going to really, you know, <laughs> put too much stock into it going forward. But, I mean, anytime you can come in and get, what, a five-score a five win, four-score? Yeah. Let's see, we won by, we won by 33, so, so five touchdowns, basically. Anytime you can do that, yeah, cover with a big line on the road. I mean, you know, it can't hurt confidence. You know, I mean, Matt Corral, 31 of 34. I don't really care if you're playing against air. That's a that's a pretty good completion day. I think that's exactly what Lane Kiffin said. He's like, 31 of 34 is hard to do against air. And it yeah. is. I mean, 
we threw a bunch of high percentage throws, and DJ Shockley said that at the beginning of the game. But at the same time, he made some really good throws. Um, you know, deep balls to Elijah Moore. Now, that's not to say Elijah wasn't considerably open. But you know, I, Lane also said after the game, it's real. You had a really good day when you can remember the incompletions, and you oh, can. Yeah. There was an incompletion in the end zone. I think we ended up scoring on that drive anyway. I don't know. Let me ask you all this. Was there a trip to the red zone other than the missed field goal late? Was there a trip to the red zone that we didn't score? Uh, I think we finished every drive is my point. I'm pretty sure. So... I am trying to look up the stats, but so ESPN Luke, stats, oh they're God. not. Totally forgot Luke Logan missed two extra points. That's fantastic. Um, He's the only person who who had a tough trip to Mandy. <laughs> Mac Brown, one punt, 51 yards. Fucking boss. Um, the good thing for Luke Logan, though, is I don't think there's anybody else that can kick. I, it, it, I guarantee I you there's it. not because they'd be out there if they could. Um, but, you know, is he a senior? I believe so. Yeah. yeah I'm not is. seeing red zone stats on ESPN. Um, I think you're right, though, Ben. Outside of coming up empty on a field goal attempt, um, pretty sure Ole Miss put it in the end zone every single time they had a shot outside of the missed field goal. So that's huge. And if they didn't, it was very close. And and yeah. that's more my point is well, they finished uh, Okay. I'll add this. We didn't throw an interception. We missed the field goal. We had one punt that was 51 yards, so we kicked it at least from the other 49. And we were one of one on fourth down. So just like working backwards there, there's no way we couldn't have, right? Because we got every fourth down. We only punted the one time. And then we had the one miss. So the one missed field goal is the only trip to the red zone that didn't result in seven or that didn't so result in. We only in. had two possessions that didn't result in seven, right? I think that's. I mean, that's right. We had, we scored eight touchdowns. So that's, that would be 10 total possessions. That's, well, I mean, if we didn't have a turnover and we had a punt and a field goal, so all other trips mm-hmm. were touchdowns, all yeah. other t- possessions we had the ball. Yeah, yeah I take that back. We had we had one fumble. Do y'all remember where it was? I do not. No, I don't either. I, don't I, don't either. I, I was going to say before we started this, I was oh. doing chores in the third quarter. So <laughs> I think I it mean, was a like, bad snap around like going into half maybe. Yeah, is that right? It, did we yeah. fumble a snap or – or something. The only reason I say that is because I think I saw something on Twitter about it. I was not watching at that time either, apparently, because I don't remember it. Yeah. I, when, when was the last time you were doing? I was, you know, I was doing tours in the third quarter of an SEC game that Ole Miss was playing in. Like it was, I, I was out vacuuming, and I would look up, and I was like, oh, I've done another touchdown. Like that's good. Yeah, I mean, we I we, we hit up. If the... That's what it's like being an Alabama fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, that's what I was going to say was we, we got out and got the trick-or-treating in for all the uh, – because our, our neighborhood, a lot of young kids, so they were – all the parents were wanting to get the kids out before it got dark. And uh, so we just have a big a big uh, loop around uh, around the neighborhood. So we got out and um, and started walking. Our our neighbor on one side, they're, they're an Alabama family. Both both went to Alabama, and I said, uh, you know, I was like, hey, man, you going to watch the game tonight? And he legit, like, thought about it for a second. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll watch it. 
And I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's not going to be much of a game. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, what a life. Um, so I'm going to run through some stats here for you all just because, uh, look, again, disclaimer, it is Vandy. But um, this is – it was a great game because you beat a team you're supposed to beat the way you're supposed to beat them. That's, mm-hmm. like, the ultimate thing I remember growing up. Most coaches would say that. Good teams beat bad teams, you know. That's what you do. Um, so running through the the gamut here, uh, 35 first downs, six for nine on third down efficiency. Nice. Uh, one for one on four. We had 35 first downs? Yeah. Um, 645 total yards. Uh, so they did get over 600. That was one of my bold predictions. Um, they got over well, three. We had over 400 in the first half. We kind of shut it down. Or I, I really think Ole Miss could have got to 800 is my point. Oh, they, if we they, really wanted to. Yeah, they, they geared down uh, significantly. Um, threw for 449, 12 yards per pass. Um, now, my other bowl prediction was throw for 300, run for 300. They didn't run for 300, but they ran for 196, averaging 4.7 yards a rush. Um, that was on 42 carries. They, uh, I guess the one... Outside of Luke Logan missing a field goal and a couple extra points, eight penalties for 75 yards. Can't do that against a good opponent. Um, the one turnover that we already mentioned, and uh, they had the ball for just under 30 minutes. So, mm. just uh, I mean, pretty good. Not bad, huh? It was thorough. You know, the 35 first downs, that tells me that Ole Miss did not have to rely on the big play to win. Uh, right. Yeah. And and we've not even talked about the big plays that happened that were called back. Uh, Plumley had a long run late in the game that was called back, and I'll talk about Plumley here in a second, but because they called holding on a pancake block. Oh, yeah, that, was, that, was, that was. Is that holding or? No, he just I mean, getting his ass whipped. Yeah, he it was a had terrible. Like, what call. a seventy-something yard touchdown run called back because of a pancake. Yeah, beautiful. And cut I back. think it, it was. It was beautiful. I, I think there was another offensive lineman that actually did hold on that play, and they called it the wrong number. If you go back and watch, um, there was one of the players on the left side of the line did hold a little bit. Now, I don't think his guy would have made a difference in the play, but they ended up calling <clears> – <throat> they called holding on, I think, 78, and 78 pancaked his guy. Uh, I just think they got the number wrong there. Mm-hmm. Either way – you know, we had a couple of holding calls back. It, without the SEC coming out and saying, no, we, we just said the wrong number, I'm going to assume they just called a pancake block a hold. Um, yeah. And then uh, – but those were the two big plays. But, you know, it's so funny. When you play a team like, let's say, Auburn or LSU or Alabama or A&M or I guess now Arkansas, Mississippi State, that's a big call. But mm-hmm. when you play a team as bad as Vanderbilt, Ole Miss continued just to march down the field and score. So the only person that really hurt was Jerry and Ely's stats. Yeah. 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 I We had – Well, I was going to say I thought that um, before we focus on, like, individual stuff in the second segment of the show, I did want to praise the defense. Um, it was uh, – look, they gave up – you know, 421 total yards. But again, Ole Miss really geared down the second half. I think the defense did the same. They were just kind of playing some base and just letting a lot of dudes get out there and get some minutes in. But um, 
defense played well, man. They uh, they were aggressive uh, on third down. I thought tackling was much better in space. I thought they covered better, um, and they were multiple, man. They they were bringing some corner blitzes. They were bringing some safeties down in the box, uh, almost kind of you know spying the quarterback and i thought that they were moving sam williams around a lot tavius robinson they were moving those those front guys around to try to confuse the offensive line so i i appreciated again it was vandy but uh looked much more composed on that side of the ball yeah and and the defense you know is going to come along and they've got a, a bye week now to to kind of continue I guess, you know, honing in on what they do well or what they don't do terribly, I guess would probably be a better way of putting it. But, <laughs> um, I mean, at this point, you, you know, you got to take the, the you know, the not negatives as positives for the defense. You know what I mean? If they do something okay, then that, that's the positive. That's something you got to focus on. And, and I mean, I, you, you've got South Carolina coming up after a bye week. You've got two weeks to prepare for a team that I don't think is great offensively. They've got a really, really good player in Josh Smith. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously we'll talk about him more as we get closer and that's he'll, he'll be a problem but i do think that there is an opportunity here coming up to, to face a team that doesn't have a, a great offense and and kind of build on that but you know all you can do is beat the team that's put in front of you and you know giving up 21 points even though you know it was kind of a decent number of yards that we gave up you know 400 plus um still you know building blocks and, you know you, you can definitely move forward with that man I just, it's nice to nice to see those guys. You know, when you're having a having a tough year, any kind of you know positivity can go a long way. Mm-hmm. As far as you know, just getting stops, getting off the field, causing turnovers. I think there was a late interception by I want to say who's twenty um, AJ Finley. He got mm-hmm. an interception late in the game, and I can I think it was Lane Kiffin like threw his arms up, you know, like an early, you know, the touchdown sound like he was celebrating before Finley even intercepted it mm-hmm. as if like he wants those, obviously he's our coach. He wants them to do well too. So, yeah, um, I think there, you know, any kind of, you know, momentum you can get on that side of the ball can only help. Like we have to remember in 2012, you know, we had some good players on the defense. This was Hugh Freeze's first year. You know, C.J. Johnson and Sinquez Golson. But you got to remember, in, in in 11, Sinquez gets faked out by Trent Richardson. They still play that at Alabama, like yeah. highlight reels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's – so you take a guy like that in 2011 and, and Trey Elson, those guys who are, who are more or less busting coverages as freshmen – by the time they're seniors in 14 and 15, I mean, they're good. Like, they're very good college football players who got who get drafted and get time in the NFL. The point being is anything you can get positive going forward, a lot of a lot of sports is confidence, a lot of it. Now, there is physical limitation. Every, I'm not dumb to say that, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick comes into college football as a better cornerback than, you know, let's say – Key John Smith. I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But if, but confidence, especially to go along with experience, can really help make up for that. You can turn yourself into a good college football player just with, you know, positive momentum, building confidence. Because if you, I promise you this, if you don't think you can cover the guy in front of you, you're not going to be able to. So, 
that's why cornerbacks, defensive backs, and defenders always have the saltiest attitudes in the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have that swagger. With a lo- that's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our break here from the sponsors on the other side. We're going to talk about uh, the incredible days, uh, incredible day, I should say, that Matt Corral and Elijah Moore had, um, just absolutely shredding the record book. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, Go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe an anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, You can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy 
a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And as always, OD encourages you to share sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. back here hangover edition podcast rebellion uh so matt corral uh whew, put himself up there folks um 19 straight completions just to start the day breaking eli manning's record i believe it's 2001 against murray state um finished the day 31 for 34 and the funny thing i believe his first incompletion was a was a batted ball um so probably on the money as good as he was all day 31 for 34, 412 yards, and six touchdowns. Also tying a record set by Eli Manning. Um, He, I believe, had – he tied the SEC record for completion percentage in a game. And uh, I believe he broke another record. I'll have to look up while you guys chat. But, uh, yeah, Matt Corral was phenomenal. Yeah, first SEC player to ever have a 90% completion percentage and throw for six touchdowns in That's the same it. game. Yeah. Unreal. What a, you res- know, I know what a response that sounds like a That sounds like a crazy stat. Like, how does somebody come up with that? Well, typically when you throw for six touchdowns, that means you've thrown a lot of passes. Therefore, you're going to throw a lot of incompletions. Like, I, I'm going to say Tim Couch back in How Mummy Kentucky days probably three for six touchdowns a few times without, without me looking. Um, but he probably threw, you know, went 35 of 70 and had a 50% completion right. percentage. What's surprising, surprising to me is Joe Burrow never did it. I mean, because that's what I was about to say. Surprising to me is Joe Burrow didn't do it last year against us. <laughs> I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. That, that, that tells me he had to have been really close. Or shoot that Mac Brown didn't do it this year against us. He must've been, did he throw for five touchdowns or six? He must have been right under the 90% threshold because I think he threw for six touchdowns against us. Well, Najee Harris ran for five. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so then then he didn't throw for quite as many. He was right under that threshold because I don't think he had but three incompletions. But, but I mean, 90% is a, a tough number to get. You don't throw the ball that many times in a game, especially in a blowout. So, you know, yeah. I think – I mean, one so, more incompletion. Had Matt Corral had one more incompletion, he doesn't break the 90, the 90 marker. So, Mac Jones was 28 for 32 for 417 and two touchdowns. He only had two touchdowns. Okay. So, so Najee Harris had all the touchdowns, but I don't, 28 for 32 is not 90%. So, I mean, that just that just tells you that it, it's very difficult to do. I mean, Corral, great bounce back week. The only it's other a game. record that may never be broken. I mean, yeah. that's a. The other, I, was, I wanted to look it up. In game one, Kyle Trask was 30 of 42 for 416 and six touchdowns. So he yeah, was. So that's 75, less than 75%. And, and he was electric. I mean, he oh, was yeah. incredible that game. 
I mean, him and him and I mean, the Kyle driver was was pummeling folks that day. But just think yeah, about that, how, how good he was, how good Mac Jones was in that game when Ole Miss was going back and forth with Bama exchanging blows. And Matt Corral just left them all in the dust. Um, so just incredible. What was our average yard per completion? 12.1. So it's not like he was showing throwing a bunch of three yard. No, this wasn't pitches. some. Yeah, this wasn't some like air raid dink and dunk like it was legit. Uh, well, it was also a lot of uh, not a ton of big plays. I mean, I think the biggest plays, I mean, I know we had a couple that were longer, but it was kind of that intermediate, like 25 to 30 yard play. I mean, he, you know, we, we just marched up and down the field on them. I, I don't feel like we had many two or three play drives. I feel like they were all seven, eight plays, 75 yards and a touchdown. Just, just crazy, man. That first drive was just surgical, just completely just a methodical Jeff Levy drive with tempo, using the entire field, mixing in some runs. I'll tell you what, uh, just a random thought here. I absolutely adore Jeff Levy on third and medium to third and, and, and long and running the football. That that right there, like, gets me gets me going. Like, I well, love we had third that and kind eight of early, ball. and Snoop yeah. broke like a 15 or 20-yarder. Love that. That's I just love that. That's so ballsy, but also just such a – that's chess, not checkers right there. You know, Kiffin said something interesting after the game. Well, I guess interesting to me. They asked him, you know, something having to do with why do you think we had so much success today through the air, especially? And he admitted it. Well, you know, the last two or three weeks, we the opponents dropped eight, and Vanderbilt didn't do that today. Mm-hmm. They they didn't drop eight, and so we didn't have to run it as much. And you know we. It's clear now to me that he even, and I, I know that he's known this the whole time, in order to have some success against Ole Miss defensively, you've got to drop eight and make us run the ball. I mean, you just got to do it. Because Otherwise, if you don't, you just, get, you just get smoked through the air. I mean, even Alabama. You just you get sliced up. The ball on them. Yeah, and, and I, and thought, I, I, don't, I thought that Derek Mason, I think – might have letting his ego get the best of him here. I mean, Derek Mason's a West Coast guy, um, you know, coaching, uh, you know, primarily spent uh, a lot of his time with Stanford in that West Coast. Um, I don't really know what you call it, but it's just essentially like a poor man's or like a like a lesser version of like what Nick Saban likes to do in coverage. Or Nick Saban's going to man up. He's going to play man coverage, and you're going to have to beat him. And that's what Nick Saban does. And that's what he's always done. And, you know, you can do that when you have dudes like Minka Fitzpatrick and Landon Collins and, and all those guys go there that are so good and they can play man. Derek Mason did that, and, man, I I don't think it was going to matter. I think Ole Miss was going to find a way to dominate anyway. But you cannot play man coverage against Elijah Moore and Jonathan Mingo and Kenny Yaboa if you don't have the dudes to match. No. no and, yeah. and tell me tell me this. Coming into yesterday's game, Vanderbilt had scored 26 points on the season. They added 21 yesterday um, in you know a blowout game, and, and seven of those were pretty late. But tell me where y'all see a win coming up. You want me to talk about Derek Mason? I mean, I just – I don't – I think it's uh, untenable at this point. They've got six games in six weeks because they already used their bye. Uh, so they had to add Missouri on the back end of the schedule. They've got – I'm uh, on I'm – on, before you go, they're not going to win a game. <laughs> They're, they're not winning the game because, listen to this, 
They go to Mississippi State. They go to Kentucky, which I mean, Terry Wilson and them are going to run for you know five hundred yards. Oh man! They they host Florida. They host Tennessee. They go to Georgia and they go to Missouri. I mean, they've got four road games left, and their two home games are Florida and Tennessee. I, I mean, their over under was one, and I, I'm kicking myself for not taking. That's the easiest. There's no way it was going over. That's the easiest my, bet we've probably had in our lifetime to go under one on that. My kingdom for their one win to be Tennessee. Oh my god! I mean, but I, I don't. I just don't think that any game is possible. I mean, Missouri is too competent from a coaching staff perspective. Kentucky is more talented than they are, and then the other three games. I don't. Even, I mean, it's not even a question. Well, and MSU is going to have a get right game next week in Starkville. There's no yeah, possible right. way you can lose to that's this right. Vanderbilt team this year. It's the, it, it's probably the worst SEC team I've ever seen. That could be the biggest loss Vandy takes the rest of the year because MSU is going to blow off a bunch of steam. Yeah, you know, well, Leach needs to, to prove that his, his offense works in the SEC. So here's oh, my does my it. thoughts on, on why I didn't play the under one or one and a half or whatever it was. Was it one even? W- one even, yeah. And you were getting a little juice. It was, I think it was plus I, 110. I was afraid that they would be at Ole Miss, honest to God, at the time. I was like, you know, they'll be a little competent. Of course, they played A&M to 17-13 the first game of the year. Right, right. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then consecutive like 41 to 7 losses after that. That is oh. a very much a, if I'm, I mean, A&M, the same A&M that beat Florida. Yeah. Like, that that doesn't even make sense to me. That's just stupid. Um, before we Before we move on to Elijah Moore and talk about the day he had, probably the most staggering thing from yesterday was that Macrell completed 91% of his passes. Now, the that record that he broke that you mentioned, Ben, it, you have to have at least 30 attempts. So you can't, you know you know Stetson Bennett and go 12 and 12 for six <laughs> yeah. touchdowns yeah um but he did 31 of 31 of 34 for 412 yards in only 37 minutes just mind-blowing so he he had such a good game and so I wanted to touch on this John Rice Plumley played well he he threw the ball better than he threw it at any point in the mm-hmm. season last year. Not that he threw a bunch of balls, and, and I don't know that his completion percentage was that great, but you can tell, like his passing. He he threw a touchdown pass to Braylon Sanders. That was a in dart. the third or fourth quarter. It was. That was a dart. It was better than any ball he threw all year last year. I'm not sure he was capable of throwing a football like that last year. That now, might be I'm the best throw he's ever made in his life. Yeah, I'm not saying he's turned into Eli Manning. So let's. You know, pump the brakes there. <laughs> yeah, but I can, I can honestly say, right now, now he he struggled coming in against Auburn and all that. If he could, if he could consistently, you know, make throws like that, then I would not. You know, if Corral were to go down, I think it's clear that Corral's our number one. I would not. I could feel. I would feel like Plumlee could win some SEC games for us. Now, that said, Matt Corral is playing. You know, other than the arc, the 
crazy Arkansas game, he's playing just about as good a football as you possibly can. And his pocket presence is good. I mean, anytime you go 31 to 34 for six touchdowns and over 400 yards or whatever it was. And I think we had, I think we had like 330 yards passing in the first half, 320, 330. If you can do all of those things and not turn the ball over, then, I mean, there's just no way that you're, you're bringing that guy out. Like you can't pull that guy out for, so anybody who thinks that Pumley should be starting over Corral is crazy. Now, I'm sure there's somebody out there who does that's not related to John Rice Plumley. I know the people that relate to him probably do. But, um, I mean, they're, he's their kid. But right now, we have a guy that's playing really good quarterback, and I get it. He had a bad game against Arkansas. But um, he played very well yesterday, and he played well against Auburn. I do think, though, after seeing Plumley throw yesterday, it wouldn't kill me if we gave him some snaps and, like, the second quarter against somebody and let him throw because they, they're not expecting it. They load the box. And I think we would hit some big play, some big plays doing that. Sorry. If that felt all over the place, I just, I had to get that out. I mean, I, I'm definitely not one for playing multiple quarterbacks. Don't like it. Think that, but in this case, I, I do think Plumlee gives us a, a, some, another weapon to use in a game that, you know, maybe we need. Like, maybe against LSU, last game of the year, we need some kind of spark or something. He might be able to provide that. But until Matt Corral, you know, changes from playing lights out to, you know, needing another quarterback to come in, I just don't think you can take him out. I mean, he's not even playing average. He's playing very good football. Yeah. Um. So, real quick, Elijah Moore. Uh, if you've been keeping up with us on the website, um, redcoverbillion.com, uh, one man to beat has been tracking uh, Elijah Moore's road to history. Coming into Saturday, he had 47 catches on the season. He added 14, so we are up to 61 now, chasing the 85 mark set by A.J. Brown. I think it's safe to say um, that he is certainly on pace, and, uh, hell, he might get 100 catches this year. Um he is doing himself well, a lot of favors in terms of his NFL potential right now. Well, I mean, yeah, he's going to, he's going to break the record. I mean, uh, other than the uh, aberration last week against Auburn, his catch totals this year, are 14, 11, 11, 10, and 10. There's no doubt he's catching mm-hmm. it. Not only that, but yesterday was only his best receiving day by 11 yards. If y'all remember back against yeah. Florida, he had two twenty seven. yesterday at two thirty eight. I mean, that's, he, it, you know, he had 800, 829 yards on the season. And he only, only had 16 he against Auburn. The only way he doesn't break is if he gets hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Because down the stretch, our, the, our opponents are worse than who we've played. I mean, we've already got Florida and Alabama behind us. And I guess you could say Auburn now, who just beat LSU like an absolute drum. Well, we got LSU's defense, I mean, which is giving up was, stats left and right. Well, I was exactly. going to say, you bring up LSU, what are they going to do? Are they going to put Stingley on more? Doesn't matter. Well, I mean, uh, we'll find ways to get the ball, and I don't. I mean, I'll say this: Seth Williams torched Derek Singley yesterday, and I think Elijah Moore's exactly. better than Seth, than Seth Williams. Yeah, so. I don't think I don't think that Bo Pelini is known for his uh, uh, just unbelievable schemes. Yeah, well, schematic, and and, and also I think I think Levy and Kiffin are smart enough; they're going to move him around all over the place, and they're. I mean, you're good luck. 
manning him up the entire game. I mean, you're going to be I mean, if, dead tired. If they do, more power to him. Yaboa's just going to have a good day. I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I clearly, I don't know if this LSU team. I hadn't seen him a ton, but clearly they're they're not g- great enough that that like Stingley is making them their defense great. I mean, clearly, clearly Stingley's the only guy out there. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. I, I mean, mean, their defense yesterday was awful. There's no Devin Lee over there. There's no Jacob Phillips. Like, who's going to cover Kenny Aboa? I mean, it's pick your poison. Um, yeah. PFF uh, put out a stat this morning. The most yards in a game by a Power 5 wide receiver. The top four, Elijah Morris, two of them. <laughs> so, yeah. Who, um, who else is on there? Do you, you see? So, Deami Brown from North Carolina has the number one performance on the year. He uh, bested Elijah Moore by two yards. Uh, 240 yards? Yep, and then Terrace Marshall oh, from LSU, 235. I believe that was against Missouri. Missouri, yeah, week six. Yeah. So, it, quite the recruiting pitch about, as well. About more, I mean, is I don't want to be like be like this. Is he going to grade well for the NFL because of his size? Oh, I think he absolutely will because – I mean, look at look at what people do in the NFL right now. I mean, he would. I mean, it'll, imagine if he got drafted by the Chiefs. It'll be a ding on him, though. It'll. I mean, I don't think he's a first round pick because of that. And I think if he was six foot, he is. But I think in his size, I don't. I mean, I'm not knocking him. I'm not saying he's a lesser player because of it. I just think it'll ding him just a little bit, maybe enough to bring don't him back for an extra year. Overthink it. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I here's here's. My counter to the coming back is I don't know what he could do better. I mean, unless he hit a growth spurt. No, I mean, I think what he's going to do is he's going to continue to do what he's doing. He's going to shred the record book. He's going to pass A.J. Brown. And I think if the year goes the way it should, and I think it's bullshit that we even have to consider this, he's going to win the Bulletnikoff. I mean, there's no way he doesn't if he stays on pace. Because at this rate, um, let me look it up right here. I'll he's, tell he's, you. Dude, he's already at 829 yards on the season. He's going to be a 1,000-yard yeah. receiver. He's probably going to have close to 100 catches. Um, has an opportunity to he get – He might be a 1,000-yard receiver next game. <laughs> he could be. Um, he's already got six touchdowns. He could probably have double-digit touchdowns. I mean, I don't know who who's better than him at that position. I mean, if I look at the stats, I mean – I guess you could make a case for, um, uh, you know, Devontae Smith. That I, that's that's the that's what's going to fucking happen. Devontae, well, yeah, Devontae Smith say, will Jaylen be. Waddle was going to win it because of his name. Yeah, one of those guys is going to be just below Elijah Moore, but because they're at Alabama, they'll win it. And not to say that Devontae Smith's not a good receiver. I mean, he's very good. But I mean, Elijah Moore is having an just an All American type season. Marlon Williams at at UCF is the only guy that has more yards than him right now. He's at 840. Um, but I, Nobody has more receptions. No, yeah, that's yeah, that's where he leads leads the country. Um, he has 61. Marlon has 59. And uh, Smith, and touchdowns. Yeah, Devontae Smith has 56 catches. So, I mean, if he's not a Blitnikoff winner, then I don't know what it looks like. So, um do y'all real real quick? I, I don't want to like get into like bashing him at all, but do y'all think he has elite speed? I wonder if if there's not. Oh, I mean, if he's not real big, I don't know that he has 
like elite speed, like you know Tyreek Hill or someone. I, I just I think that might hurt him as it comes to the NFL. It, there, there's nothing he's like plus plus at if that makes sense. Other than like just getting open and in his hands and stuff. But I think you know, he, the size and the I think it's a plus speed. I don't know if it's like 75 if we're using the baseball. I think know, it's I think it's good enough to be yeah. effective. Oh, in I think the it's NFL. definitely good enough to get a top three round pick. Um, I mean, but. Put him on a team, yeah. like, give him, you know, if he, you know, the Chiefs or, like, the Bucks, with a guy like Tom Brady who really uses those those underneath routes a ton and yeah. get him get him with somebody that's a veteran that knows knows the ins and outs of the NFL and how to utilize somebody of his skill set. Um, I think he absolutely plays on Sundays. Yeah. I think he's just – his route oh, running yeah. is elite. He's so quick. Um, and he's just he's – You super, know who I think he, he'd be a good fit with? I think he'd be a good fit in Tennessee. That's a and great it, point. They need somebody to take some of the heat off of AJ and you know get yeah. some work because I mean he's better than than Adam Humphreys. Uh, there's no doubt. So, yeah, that's a that's a great point. I would uh, I'd, I'd order the jersey yesterday. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just a phenomenal day for him and Corral. And like I said at the top of the show, just tremendous for the mental makeup and just the mentality for this team after two straight weeks of. Coming up short, and that was the message in both post games with Kiffin was, "Look, man, like this is not good enough. Like we have to get in the win column. We've got to put some wins together." And I think they're going to. I think they're going to finish strong. Um, open date comes at a perfect time. Get healthy. Get ready for a South Carolina team that's that's not bad. They're good on defense, but a very gettable game. And then you know you've got Mississippi State, you've got LSU, um, and then the A and M game is you know, hey, free money. Go out there and just you know, have fun, but, uh, yeah, just a all around impressive showing from the offense. Yeah. I have got nothing to add. I mean, I think that every game I said this before Arkansas, I think every game from now on is winnable and they're all losable at the same time. Um, yeah, I'm not so sure how losable, not to jinx it. I really don't know how losable the Mississippi state game is right now, but you know, that game can be weird. Um, here's, well, here's I mean, another... I watched the LSU game, and I, I, that game is. Oh, I think we're going to be kicking ourselves if we don't win the last two games this year. I, I oh agree, and that yeah. has nothing to do with them being our rivals. No, they're no. Both just the fact even. that they're. I think we're we're superior teams to both of them. I know we're superior uh, from an offense to defense perspective against LSU, and I don't love anything about. The only thing that worries me a little bit about MSU is is their defense is better, and our defense is is still not quite good enough to to you know completely stop you. But that LSU, I think LSU is a great matchup for us because I don't think they can stop us at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we sign off here, one thing, the top three defenses in terms of yards allowed this week in the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss. How about that? Like Just just yesterday, right? Not on the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yesterday. Okay. No. I was yeah. like, wait, what? Yeah. Disclaimer okay. once again, it is Vandy, but um, well, disclaimer, point, point I think stands. there were only four games yesterday, weren't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so uh if if we don't have anything else, we we can close up shop and, and get everybody ready for NFL Sunday. Yeah, no, do- I, Zach, you said it best. Um you beat teams like Vandy like Ole Miss did. I mean, that's just what you're supposed to do. Good teams are supposed yeah. to be bad teams like that. It could be a lot worse. We could be sitting here having one, even thirty-four to twenty-one. 
Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it just yeah, it's it's how that's how you're supposed to do it. It's just the only. I mean, that's you know, I saw some people that were like, "Look, I don't care what the score is if if Ole Miss wins twenty four twenty three against Vandy, it's still a win." Winning like this definitely feels much better to be able to do it this way. So, um, well, one last one last thing. I'll, okay. I'll, I'm going to take out the the non Power Five teams. Nothing against UCF. I just kind of want to give you guys an example because there hasn't been any cross pollination. SEC teams have only played SEC teams, but uh, yards per game, the top, let's just say the top eight or so in Power Five: Alabama, Ole Miss, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. And then Florida. I think we're in pretty good company there offensively. I mean, those are all top ten teams. Mm-hmm. So if the defense ever comes along, those could be the rankings in five years or three years. That shows you that's the hashtag Lane Kiffin effect, man. Yeah, I'm telling y'all too. If if Elijah Moore, let's say he gets thirteen hundred receiving yards this year, that doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility at all. No, he did it in ten no. games against only SEC opponents. Yeah, that ain't no. That's no fluke. Um, yeah, just tremendous. Um, all right. Uh, like I said, the bye week comes at the perfect time. Get healthy, get ready for South Carolina. It's good. There's, there's nothing going on this, this coming week. Uh, nothing at all. So just unplug and get ready for, uh, for next week. So, um, for, uh, for podcast rebellion, the hangover edition for Ben, for Nick, I'm Zach. Thank y'all for listening. Stay safe out there. Yeah.